everyone. Welcome to Fantastic History. I'm Sarah. And I'm Clay. We're a husband and wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events, people, and mysteries throughout history. So I received some really sad news last week. Um, okay. Which is that my brother Michael passed away unexpectedly. Mm. So I wanted to sort of pay tribute to him with this week's episode. So one of the things I remember best about him was waking up at like two or three in the morning and seeing him sitting at the computer in the living room researching American history. Oh, fun. Yeah. I mean, he could tell you just about anything you wanted to know about our former presidents in particular. He was okay. like a, a president expert, I guess. So I thought what I would do is compile some interesting and mostly fun facts I found about a handful of the earliest commanders in chief. Great. Yeah. So most of these came from a list I found on KQED, and then I did some additional research based on that. So there's going to be like a whole bunch of resources in the show notes today. <laughs> um, way too many to list up front here without boring everybody to death. So uh, before we get started, too, I'd just like to go on record as saying, yeah, pretty much all of these dudes are incredibly problematic by today's standards. Um, I'm aware. Uh, I tended more towards like fun facts, though, so don't be surprised when I don't like mention that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, it's not a biography. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm not trying to do like a, a full history of anybody like you get a paragraph and you get a paragraph. So. Okay. So obviously we're going to start with George Washington. Duh. Right at the beginning. Yeah. Um, These are in. So these are in sequential order, but I, I I'm not going to cover everybody. So I'll skip some. Okay. So don't like don't at me like you forgotten Millard Fillmore. No, I didn't. He was boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> so everybody knows that he had dentures, right? Like, if you know anything about Washington, it's like the cherry tree thing. That's not even true. And yeah. the dentures. Yeah, yeah. Um. So what you may not know, and what I didn't know, is the reason why he needed them. Oh. He absolutely destroyed his own teeth using them to crack walnut shells. Get out of here. Uh-huh. I always assumed it was like a matter of poor dental hygiene back in the day, but no, it's because the man refused to use a nutcracker and just kept breaking his teeth to bits on walnut shells. Is that that's true? Yes. Wow. Yep. That's so weird. Yes, it is. Um, So it's a myth that his dentures were made of wood. Yes. Um, In fact, his false teeth came from several different sources, including hippo ivory, animal's teeth, cadaver teeth, and just like random bones that were carved to look like teeth. Whoa. The reason why so many people thought his teeth were made of wood, going all the way back to his contemporaries, was because he drank so much red wine that it stained his teeth a dark brownish color. I see. Okay. Uh So they looked like wood because they'd get like little cracks and stuff in them and the wine would show the imperfections and he had like wood grain teeth. Interesting. Interesting that the, uh, do you know when he got his dentures? I don't, but I can't imagine like how many years could your teeth really withstand being a nutcracker, like a human (laughs) nutcracker. So I imagine he was quite young. I suppose. That's just so... Uh-huh. Strange. It's it's an odd choice, a bold choice for a bold man. Right. So next up, John Adams, uh, who could run a smear campaign like nobody else. <laughs> so when he was running for president against Thomas Jefferson, he had a lot of super racist things to say about Jefferson's parents, which I'm not going to repeat. Um, but which I also couldn't find any evidence that his parents weren't white. 
So he was making up things about Jefferson's parents and then being real racist about the things he himself had made up. Okay. Yeah. Um, so completely, um, completely fabricating everything yes. about these accusations. Yes. And just hoping people would... Not notice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he then put out attack ads that described a potential future with Jefferson as president as follows. Murder, robbery, rape, adultery, and incest will be openly taught and practiced. The air will be rent with the cries of the distressed. The soil will be soaked with blood and the nation black with crimes. Are you sure this didn't come from the most recent presidential election? Right. Like this could have been 2016, 2020 easily. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, of course, Jefferson went on to be president after Adams. uh, And I don't think his years in office are remembered quite that way. So it's possible that John Adams was as wrong about that as he was about Jefferson's ethnicity. Yeah, I I I I know that that things got things were not cordial. It, it, right, back yeah. Then, but if I, Hamilton taught us nothing else. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh now as for Thomas Jefferson, he was a certified genius. Visiting Monticello and seeing his architectural prowess on display is really quite something. Plus, you also get to see some of his inventions. Because in addition to being a founding father, yeah, he was also an inventor. One of his creations is something you're actually using right this second. Oh. You specifically, Clay, are using it right this second. Okay. Thomas Jefferson invented the swiveling chair. Really? Yes, he did. So he started out with like a Windsor style chair, which is one of those you see like in colonial recreations. It's like just an armchair with like all the little spindles on the back. Yeah. Um, So he took one of those. He took it completely apart. And then he added a layer beneath the seat that had rollers from his window sash pulleys and then attached that to the base of the seat with a spindle. Et voila. He can now spin his chair. Ooh. Yeah. I, 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 I wonder what made him think this was worth inventing. What, what problem he was encountering? Well, it was, if I'm remembering right, like this was pre-declaration, you know, that he came up with this. So he's like got all these paperwork. He's constantly working on all this stuff. Yeah. And rather than having to like get up out of the chair or like physically turn the chair to get to this side of the desk where all the stuff is, like he needed movement because he was a busy dude. Yeah. You know, constantly working on stuff. And I assume that the the swivel came before the wheels on a chair. I would imagine so, but I didn't take the time to look that up, if you can believe it. Interesting. I yeah. wonder which came first, a stationary chair that just kind of rolled around or the swivel but couldn't move around. I would guess the swivel came first because I think if he had access to a rolling chair... Already? Why would he need the swivel? I don't know. The swivel is very useful. It's convenient. But combined, it's the ultimate chair. You know what? I'll look into that and I'll get back to you. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do an episode on on, uh, On chairs. chairs, The history of office chairs. Tune in. Why not? Um, So an item of note about Thomas Jefferson and John Adams is that they both died on July the 4th, 1826. So 50 years to the day after the Declaration of Independence was signed. Adam's last words were actually Thomas Jefferson survives, Hmm. Um, which always gives me chills when I hear it. Yeah. Um, But in fact, Jefferson had died a few hours earlier and the news kind of traveled a little more slowly back then. Sure. Um, 
But another founding father and former president, James Monroe, also died on July the 4th, but in 1831, so five years later. So this brings us, actually, to my interesting fact about James Madison, who was Jefferson's successor. Mm -hmm. Now, Madison was actually uh, president between Jefferson and Monroe, but despite being described as sickly for most of his life, he outlived both of them. So 10 years after the deaths of Jefferson and Adams and five years after the death of Monroe, Madison at the age of 85 was on his deathbed. So it's the summer of 1836. His doctor offered to give him some stimulants to keep him alive just a little bit longer, specifically so that he could also die on July the 4th. Wow. Yeah. So this was like a big thing. Like we've had, you know, three of our top dudes, like three of our presidents have died on July the 4th and you're, you know, founding father, obviously like you want to fit in. Right. It's like three of your friends have done it. Like they've all jumped off the cliff. Don't you want to jump off of it too? Right. Um, But Madison declined and passed away six days ahead of the target on June 28th. Okay. I just thought that was such a bizarre thing. Like having your doctor come in and like, okay, so I'm going to give you like some cocaine so that you can die on the anniversary of when your friends died. Yeah. What? Yeah, pretty strange. And almost like he was trying to make it, um, what, 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 would, what would the word be? The president's all dying on the same day. It makes them almost deep. It's mythological. Yeah. Yeah. So trying to invoke that. Right. I don't know, man. It's a, a weird choice, but okay. Right. Um, Now, circling back to James Monroe, he was known for sticking with revolutionary war fashions long after they had got out of style, leading to him being given the nickname, the last cocked hat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, John Quincy Adams is the only president who, after leaving the White House, kept himself involved in national politics. His time as president ended in 1829, but he was elected to represent his home state of Massachusetts in Congress the following year. And he actually died on the House floor in 1848 during a debate about the Mexican-American War. Whoa. Right? Yeah. Talk about a life of service. No kidding. Oof. So next up, I really love this one. Martin Van Buren. Famed eighth president and inspiration for a great episode of Seinfeld. Yes. There are a few interesting facts about him, such as he was the first president to be born a citizen of the United States, because he was the first one to be born after 1776. Okay, right. Um, But he was also, in contrast to that, the only one who spoke English as a second language. His real legacy, though, even more so than the Van Buren boys gang, is that he's a reason a word that all of us use pretty much every single day became such a huge part of the lexicon. In the 1800s, intentional misspellings and using abbreviations were both super popular. So these trends were often combined. So you might see KG in a newspaper article, and it was short for no-go, where no is spelled K-N-O-W. Weird. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, Another example was an abbreviation for all correct, spelled O-L-L-K-O-R-R-E-C-T, or simply O-K. Uh-huh. The first known usage of OK was in 1839 when the Boston Morning Post was taking pot shots at a popular Providence newspaper. OK started to appear in print more and more often, but its popularity really exploded in 1840 as part of the re-election campaign for Martin Van Buren. 
You see, one of his nicknames at the time was Old Kinderhook as a reference <laughs> to the New York town where he grew up. So it's like not as like Old Kinderhook. Sounds like he's got like a wicked like boxing swing, right? That's, that's what it is. Yeah. 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 But Kinderhook is a town in New York. Okay. Where he was from. Okay. Yeah. So his supporters carried around campaign signs that just said, okay, for Old Kinderhook. They would often chant OK at his speeches, and some supporters went so far as to create OK clubs for like-minded individuals. So it was old Kinderhook, but it was also all right. So they're doing like the double meaning here. Yeah. And that's when OK really took off and people started using it all the time. That is cool. Yeah. So Van Buren ended up losing that election. He was not reelected, but we still refer to him every day, whether we realize it or not. That's so interesting because I, I a, a while back I looked I was looking up the uh, the origins of the word or the you know okay mm-hmm. and and there's 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 debate oh, as yeah. to exactly what what the real origin is a few ideas including that one but I ha- I did not know that the reason that it became so popular and so common in our lexicon is for that reason so that's really cool yeah it's fun and that's it wasn't until sometime in the 1960s when they actually uncovered that all correct misspelling in the boston paper so it i mean people were using it for years without having any idea and that's the first time it was seen in print right so who knows Now, his opponent, William Henry Harrison, was our shortest serving president with his term clocking in at only 33 days. He got sick during his inaugural address and never recovered. So there isn't much I can really tell you about his time in the White House. But again, his run against Van Buren was certainly one for the books. The OK campaign tried to smear him by referring to Harrison as a guy who would much rather, quote, sit in his log cabin drinking hard cider. (laughs) <laughs> then spend his time running the country. In response to this, Harrison ordered custom bottles shaped like log cabins, filled them with a combination of whiskey and lemonade, and handed them out on the campaign trail. Jeez, the snarky. Yep, and he won. Not for long, but he did. Well, handing out free hard cider right? is a good technique. Well, and that was actually something that like, when I was looking through this, I saw that that was pretty common on election day. They would be handing out like ale before you went in to vote ah. and that was like a pretty normal strategy for many election cycles gotcha oh yeah so his successor john tyler was the first vice president to sit in the big seat after the death of the president that had never been done before so he's the one like the reason why we have the 25th amendment right he was not well liked though like at all Um, He was expelled from his own political party. He lost all but one of his cabinet members to resignation. And he was the first president to face impeachment. Mm. Even in death, haters were going to hate. With newspapers referring to him as the most unpopular public man that had ever held any office in the United States. Wow. And as a poor, miserable, despised imbecile. Oh, geez. Uh Uh-huh. It was so bad that when Tyler died, then President Abraham Lincoln did not have flags flown at half mast. Oh boy. Sick burn. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Zachary Taylor was nominated for the presidency without his knowledge or consent, 
a known war hero who served in the War of 1812, the Second Seminole War, and the Mexican-American War. He was so beloved by fellow members of the Whig Party that they decided he was going to be their nominee whether he liked it or not. He didn't even realize he'd been nominated for several weeks because not (laughs) only was he not present at the meeting, but they notified him by mail without paying for the postage and he refused to pay for it himself. (laughs) So there was like a a collect call system back then where you can mail somebody something without paying for the postage. And if they didn't want to pay for it, they just didn't get the letter. Right. So I guess they eventually got the message to him, though, because he served as president from March of 1849 until July of the following year. He was yet another victim of the 4th of July cult. During a celebration of Independence Day at the site of the future Washington Monument, he ate some cherries and iced milk with deadly bacteria in them and died five days later. Yeah. Iced milk, though. I mean. Iced milk and cherries. Yeah. Mm. That's it's not worth it. No. So Franklin Pierce was another president who became unpopular with his own party, and they refused to nominate him for a second term. He took it pretty well, though, and is remembered as replying, well, there's nothing left to do but get drunk. (laughs) (laughs) In addition to being the namesake of Bucky Barnes, another notable thing about President James Buchanan is that he was the only bachelor to hold office with his private correspondences later making it clear that he was also our first gay president. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. He lived with William Rufus King, an Alabama senator, for more than a decade. When King was in France on business, President Buchanan wrote the following letter to a friend. I am now solitary and alone, having no companion in the house with me. I have gone a-wooing several gentlemen, but have not succeeded with any one of them. It's pretty clear. Yeah, that is not ambiguous. No. Abraham Lincoln is thus far the only president who is also a licensed bartender. So everybody who likes to make fun of AOC for, you know, being a bartender before she got into politics. Um, so was Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> um, not only that, he was actually the co-owner of a bar in New Salem, Illinois called Barry and Lincoln. According to the Chicagoist, they served French brandy peach brandy, apple brandy, gin from Holland, domestic gin, wine, rum, and whiskey. It didn't last long, however, because his partner, William Barry, was a raging alcoholic. Lincoln sold his share of the bar and decided to study law instead of slinging hooch. Okay. So my plan was to stop at Lincoln because otherwise this could be like a three or four part episode. Yeah. But there's one more story that made me laugh way too much not to share it. So we're going to jump way ahead uh, to Teddy Roosevelt and William Taft, who are both in the early 1900s. Okay. Now, as most of you probably know, teddy bears are so named because of a famous story about Teddy Roosevelt refusing to shoot a bear cub. What better marketing could you possibly hope for than teddy bears, right? Absolutely. Well, unfortunately for his successor, the answer is not Billy Possum. Uh, Billy Possum? Billy Possum. Teddy Bear, Billy Possum. Mm. So when Roosevelt's second term ended, a lot of toy makers assumed that teddy bears would go out of fashion as a result. So they started making and marketing some stuffed possums that they called Billy Possum in honor of the new president, William Taft. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So you might think it's embarrassing enough in its own right that Billy Possum never caught on because why would it? Sure. Whereas like, our child literally sleeps with a teddy bear every night. 
Yeah. Um, but, you know, I personally feel like the most humiliating part of the story is the reason why they went with possums in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. N- not, not, not a very uh, cuddly or cute animal. And nor is the story cute. Like the, the Teddy Roosevelt story is a little heartwarming. Like he saw a baby. He wasn't going to shoot it. Sure. This is not heartwarming. So the thing that most people know about Taft was that he was a big dude, right? Like there's the urban legend about him getting stuck in the bathtub and all that. So what I would like people to remember him for instead of that, which was not true. Like remember him for this dinner held in his honor in Atlanta in 1909. So Taft requested a meal of possum and taters um, and was reported to have eaten an entire 18-pound possum so quickly that a doctor sitting nearby advised him to please slow down. Wow. (laughs) To me, that is way funnier and more embarrassing than getting stuck in the tub. Yes. Like, that's probably happened to thousands of people over time. But how many people have eaten a giant possum so fast that a doctor was like, hey, now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So please, listeners, start spreading that story around to all of your history-interested friends, you know, at parties when they're like, who has a fun fact? Please tell them about this 18-pound possum and Billy Possum. Like, just please get that word out there. Yeah, Billy Possum. It, You know, Billy Possum is a great name, though. It is. Oh, yeah. Like, I kind of wish that was my name. Like, I'm going to change my screen name maybe to, like, <laughs> Billy Possum. I it, love that. It flows off the tongue so naturally. <laughs> it sounds good. It's got, like, the same ring as Teddy Bear. Yeah. Like, it's it's a, it's a little zippy, a little silly. Um. But what kid is cuddling up with a stuffed possum? Like, I I have friends who like that is their number one animal fear is possums. Yeah. So. It, yeah, it's a weird choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for checking us out and giving us a little bit of your time today. Hopefully you enjoyed that story. And if you did, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use. I'll put up some presidential pictures on our Instagram and Twitter. I'll put up some uh, pictures of Billy Possums because they were made. They just didn't sell very well. Um, so Instagram and Twitter are both fantastic HPod. If you would like another listicle episode like this, or if there's a president you'd like to hear a full episode about, shoot an email to us at fantastichistorypod at gmail.com. Until next time, God bless America and God bless fantastic history. Fantastic history.